I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of October 2010. As always, I suggest newcomers, and there's always newcomers every night to the show, should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, and there you'll find hundreds of hours of talks I've given over many years now, where I try to give you the big picture of what's happening in your lives, how it got to this and where it's to go. I give you the shortcuts, as I try to give the shortcuts by giving you some information from the big players themselves from their own books uh, for you to peruse at your own leisure and tie it all together. I try to steer you away from all the frauds out there. There's a lot of nutcases with followings. There's a lot of um, people who want to believe it's the aliens and so on. And they certainly uh, can attract always the fringe elements and get true believers in them too. So I try to give you the basic facts as presented by those involved themselves from their biographies and from the, the different publications they put out for the associations they work for. And they pretty well explain in their own language what they're up to, uh, how they're planning it, and what the next part of their agenda is. There's so many think tanks, each working on different parts of the agenda. There's so many, you, you can hardly count them. And um, they, they never stop. These foundations literally can go through many generations, recruiting, retiring, hiring, and carry on with the same agenda for 150, 200 years with their mandate and their policy. That's how they can do it, regardless of all the all the elections that come and go and who gets in and who gets pushed out. It doesn't matter to the foundations. They have their plans and their agenda, and they all work together. And so I'm going to cuttingthroughmates.com. Remember, too, you can buy the books I have for sale, the discs, and so on. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from your post office, which is a, a good way to do it, too, in case you're afraid of uh, losing it. You can still uh, claim the money or track it. And um, you can use PayPal to donate or to order. To order, simply uh, send the, the, the PayPal donation, followed by an email with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get that out to you. Across the rest of the world, it's the same idea. You have the options as well as of Western Union. Western Union is a bit more expensive to wire money across. Um, MoneyGram is cheaper. You can send it across in check form. And you can use PayPal to donate or to order. Some people just send cash. And so far, the banks haven't complained uh, in this big, wonderful global economy. So that's the way to do it. But that's, that's to keep me going because I don't accept cash from advertisers. The ads you hear in the show pay for the station. They pay for the broadcast. It pays for the uh, staff and equipment and the bills at RBN. So you have to help me with mine. And it's always the same if you who do it. Uh, thousands and thousands listen. Whatever I said here in the comments and my take on things will be broadcast by many other talk host shows the following day. And that's just proven by experience. So it's up to you to help me out and keep me going. And the expenses here are 
high. They are high for what I do here. And it really drains life out of you. I would not give this to anybody. Unless you want to go into a business and become commercialized, and then you really into show business, then it's no problem. You drink in millions quite easily. Quite, quite, quite easily. But, as I say, we're going through the greatest transformations we've ever gone through, and that's why I'm on the air. And back in 98 or so, I thought it was time to start voicing some of what I knew, the knowledge that I'd gained to people who were in the Patriot Movement at that time, were kind of navel-gazing on the U.S. They did not realize it was an international movement. They were all involved in their leaders, were all internationalists, and were going into this big global governmental system. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back in Cutting Through the Matrix. Yesterday I mentioned an article where the European Food Safety Association for the European Parliament, I guess, had okayed uh, bisphenol A to be put within the baby food and the rest of it because it's all right for you, it's not bad at all. They tried to class that as a protein, that's why they got it in the baby food and they use it as bulk. And so they passed it and I was looking through it again, the same article, and it said, normally the, 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 the British Plastics Federation and the European Plastics Federation, uh, the, the big manufacturers, generally do the testing themselves and hand it to the European Union to review. And this, this may have been the same case, I don't know. Anyway, it says here uh, that uh, certain intakes are okay, etc. And it says they couldn't identify any new evidence which would lead them to revise the current tolerable daily intake for BPA of 0.05 milligrams per kilogram body weight set by the EFCA SA in 2006. It says that the review also highlighted that data currently available does not provide convincing evidence of neurobehavioral toxicity of BPA. Very clever, very, very clever. Because you see... The people were not asking for neurobehavioral toxicity tests at all. It was all to do with the fact that mothers who used it, which are pregnant, and it's in makeup, it's in everything, um, and then again at the bottle when the child is born, uh, if it's a male, it tends to make his testes rather small. And in fact, in the womb, in the fourth, I think the 12th to the 14th week or something, or the 8th to the 12th week, um, it would make sure they were pretty well sterile for life. That's what it's about. So they should have done a biological study on it and to see how this would affect uh, the male child's hormone output later in life. Uh, not a neurobehavioral uh, change, uh, like picking flowers and stuff. So that wasn't the intent of the study at all that was cried for. But that's how they do it. And this study is supposed to put people's uh, minds at ease. That's what they say. Put your mind at ease. Well, I guess guys who are sterilized that way is kind of neutered. Um, are pretty passive. Uh, there's no testosterone there. So maybe technically that will happen. That part's true. But then you go into the daily after that was published. And here is this article here. Uh, it says here, gender bending chemicals in plastics that raises the risk of prostate cancer. That's on top of the fact you'll be sterile. 
So, guys, I really had it here. This is the 7th of October, 2010. A gender-bending chemical found in babies' bottles may raise the odds of prostate cancer in later life, scientists have warned. In experiments, newborn rats fed bisphenol A, a building block of many commonly used plastics, were more likely to develop precancerous cells as they aged. Uh, with chemical levels similar to those commonly found in the human body, the researchers said their findings are directly relevant to babies' health. Their warnings came just a week after the European food watchdog said that the amounts of the chemical we are exposed to in day-to-day life are too low to do any harm. I'd add to the, to the food, I suppose. The Food Standards Agency also said that bisphenol A does not carry a risk, but the latest study raises the fresh concerns about the compound, which is also found in CD cases, tin can linings. Why would they put it in tin can linings? They never used to. Just to make sure you get your bisphenol A, folks. Even beer cans, I understand. Sunglasses, plastic knives and forks, mobile phones and dental sealants. Huh, that's interesting. The American researchers showed that giving newborn rats the chemical raised their odds of developing cellular damage that can lead to prostate cancer in later life. Both mouth drops uh, drops and injections were equally damaging. So orally or by injection were just the same. University of Illinois researcher Gail Prince said there was no difference in the number of lesions where the bisphenol A was given by injection or orally, the prostate pathology was the same. It mattered nothing which way it was given. This is important because in many previous studies which have focused on jabs have been criticized for not being true to life and the results downplayed. The latest research suggests that damage seen in such experiments also occurs when we exit through food and drink. Bisphenol A has previously been linked to fertility problems, breast cancer, uh, prostate cancer and heart attacks. Writing in the journal Reproductive Toxicology, Dr. Prince said these findings on prostate health are directly relevant to humans at current bisphenol A exposure levels, which the European Commission found were acceptable, the same levels were acceptable. It says these findings support the proposal that exposures to bisphenol A uh, during fetal and non-natal life may increase the, the risk of carcinogenic events during adult life and in the human population. So in the womb, and just after you come out of the womb, um, you're pretty well done for, I guess. Elizabeth Salter Green at the Chemicals, Health and Environment Monitoring Trust said, responsible governments need to find alternatives to bisphenol A, as so many consumer products are made using this chemical, and we're all constantly exposed. Campaigners say that those concerned about the chemicals should use bisphenol A-free baby bottles, cut down on the use of canned foods, and opt for glass, porcelain, or stainless steel containers where possible. They should also stop plastering on that makeup that contains it as well when they're pregnant, because it goes through the skin. Uh, Insufflation, they call it through the skin. They should also avoid eating foods, including baby meals and polycarbonate plastic food containers, often marked with a 7 on the bottom, as a chemical can leak out of the plastic at high temperature. But the prostate cancer charity urged people not to worry, the charity organization also, saying that bisphenol A breaks down much more quickly in the human body than in a rat. So they're saying don't worry about it, just keep your money throwing at them. Dr. Kate Holmes of the charity says this is a field research that remains highly controversial. Bisphenol A is still considered to be a safe product for use by the food industry, well, that's, they're all for money, right? So we can trust them. And the exposure of humans to this product is considered to be minimal. 
by the same uh, food companies, you see. So, anyone's got a bit of common sense, they will take the precautions and, and stop using the stuff altogether in their food for sure. And if you want a healthy baby, uh, then you know to avoid it altogether in all of its forms. That's all you can say about that. Now, it's quite interesting how you think you've got rights. Everyone thinks they've got rights, you know, until you find out that you don't at all because someone said a precedent leading case and precedents are set down and that your, your rights have all changed. That's what high courts can do in every country. This is from Canada. It says, no right to a lawyer in police interview. This is from uh, the Canadian Supreme Court. October the 8th, it says, the Supreme Court of Canada clarified the rights of accused people when it comes to receiving legal advice in a trio of rulings Friday. The Supreme Court of Canada clarified the rights of accused people when it comes to receiving legal advice. Uh, So um, they ruled Friday that a person questioned by police in connection with a criminal case does not have the right to have a lawyer present during the interview. So that's out the window now. It says... um, In these three related decisions, the Supreme Court also said a suspect doesn't have the right to reconsult with a lawyer midway through an interview unless the situation in the interview has changed significantly. The court also said a suspect does not have the absolute right to consult with a specific lawyer if that attorney can't be reached within a reasonable time. So they use a particular case that happened uh, back in 2002, it says, this is, this is the one that led, led the precedent for it. Uh, R, R versus Sinclair, the justices split five to four. In that case, Trent Terrence Sinclair was arrested by the RCMP from Vernon, BC in December 2002 and charged with second degree murder in connection with the killing of Gary Grice the previous month. He was ultimately found guilty of manslaughter by a jury. At the time of his arrest, Sinclair was advised of his right to counsel and spoke twice by phone with his lawyer. During an hour-long interview with police, Sinclair said several times he had nothing to say and wanted to talk to his lawyer again. The police officer who conducted the interview said Sinclair had the right to keep quiet, but refused to allow him to contact his lawyer, and told him he did not have the right to have a lawyer present. Sinclair eventually implicated himself. During the interview, he was then placed in a holding cell with an undercover officer, where he made further incriminating statements. He couldn't get his lawyer in his state in Japan. Sinclair later accompanied the police to the site where Grice had been killed and participated in a reenactment. So anyway, because of this one particular case, uh, it turns out now that you don't have the right to have a lawyer at all. That's how the law works. It has nothing to do with right, wrong, justice, whatever. It's to do with uh, letters of the law and how they interpreted them and how they put it over. Uh, so this is good. This is amazing news for Canada. I guess that's that's uh, one another one right down the tubes as well. Quite something. And here's an article here. It's interesting. Because I read about a month ago an article where the FBI were now giving themselves permission to bug people's cars. Even in your driveway, they, they go into your driveway at night, I guess, and Put a bug in your car. And here's an, an interesting uh, case here where it has happened already within the U.S. I'm sure they've done it to lots of people. And it's from Wired. It says, caught spying on student. Uh, the FBI demands its GPS tracker back. 
A California student got a visit from the FBI this week after he found a secret GPS tracking device on his car, and a friend posted photos of it online. The post prompted wide speculation about whether the device was real, whether the young Arab American was being targeted in a, a terrorism investigation, and what the authorities would do. The guy was born in the States, he's, he's a citizen. It took just 48 hours to find out the device was real, the student was being secretly tracked, and the FBI wanted their explosive, or explosive device, expensive device back, the student told Wired.com in an interview Wednesday. The answer came back when half a dozen FBI agents and a police officer appeared at Yasser Afif's apartment complex in Santa Clara, California on Tuesday, demanding he return the device. This is Afifi, a 20-year-old U.S.-born citizen, cooperated willingly and said he'd done nothing to merit attention from the authorities. And I'll read the rest of this when I come back. It's quite funny. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. It's an interesting article it's about how the FBI bugs cars and so on and how they've done it to a U.S. citizen and uh, how he found out about it because it was into the details. It says here, uh, the 20-year-old citizen cooperated willingly and said he'd done nothing to merit attention from authorities. And then comments the agents made during this visit suggested he'd been under FBI surveillance for three to six months. An FBI spokesman wouldn't acknowledge that the device belonged to the agency or that agents appeared at Afifi's house. They'll tell you nothing not that they even appeared there. <laughs> so I can't really tell you much about it because it's still an ongoing investigation, said police PR man. They'll have PR departments now. Pete Lee, who works in the agency's San Francisco headquarters. Afifi, the son of an Islamic American community leader who died a year ago in Egypt, is one of only a few people known to have found a government tracking device on their vehicle. His discovery comes in the wake of a recent ruling by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court Appeals saying it's legal for law enforcement to secretly place a tracking device on a suspect's car without getting a warrant even if the car is parked on a private driveway. Brian Alseth from the American Civil Liberties Union in Washington State contacted Fifi after seeing pictures of the tracking device posted online and told him the ACLU had been waiting for a case like this to challenge the ruling. This is the kind of thing we'd like to throw. This is how they word it here. This is the kind of thing we'd like to throw lawyers at. If it been at lawyers, if he said, Alseth told him. It seems very frightening that the FBI have placed a surveillance tracking device on the car of a 20-year-old American citizen who's done nothing more than being half Egyptian, Alseth told Wired.com. Afifi, a business marketing student at Mission College Santa Clara, discovered a device last Sunday when he took his car to a local garage for an oil change. When a mechanic at Ali's Auto Care races Ford Lincoln LS on hydraulic lifts, Afifi saw a wire sticking out near the rear wheel and exhaust. Garage owner Mazar Khan confirmed for Wiredcom that he also saw it. A closer inspection showed it connected to a battery pack and a transmitter, which were attached to the car with a magnet. Can asked Afifi if he wanted the device removed, and when Afifi said yes, Can pulled it easily from the car's chassis. I wouldn't have noticed if there was a, uh, wasn't a wire sticking out, Afifi said. Later that day, a friend of Afifi's named Khaled posted pictures of the device at Reddit, 
asking you if anyone knew what it was and if it means the FBI is after us. And then it says Reddit is owned by Condé Nast Digital, which also owns Wired.com. My plan was just to put the device on another car, or in a, that's a good idea, put it, another, put it in a police car, uh, or in a lake, Caladroats. But when you come home to stoned off their asses, people who are hearing things in the device and convinced it's a bomb, you just got to be sure. A reader quickly identified it as an Orion Guardian STA20 tracking device made by electronics company called Copham, which sells the device only to law enforcement. No one was available at Cobham to answer Wired.com's questions, but a former FBI agent who looked at the, the pictures confirmed it was a tracking device. The agent, who asked not to be named, said the device was an older model of tracking equipment that had long ago been replaced by devices that don't require batteries. Batteries die and need to be replaced if surveillance is ongoing, so newer devices are placed on the engine compartment inside it and hardwired to the car's battery so they don't run out of juice. He was surprised this one was so easily found. He says it has to be able to be removed but also to stay in place and not be seen, he said. There's always a possibility that the car will end up the body shop or auto mechanic, so it has to be hidden well. It's very rare when guys find them. I've even considered selling the device on Craigslist before the FBI showed up, so he naturally was going to sell the thing, you know, as a novelty. He was in his apartment Thursday afternoon or Tuesday when our roommate told him that two sneaky-looking people were near his car. Afifi already heading out for an appointment encountered a man and woman looking at his vehicle outside. The man asked if Afifi knew his registration tag was expired. When Afifi asked if it bothered him, the man just smiled. Afifi got in his car and headed for the parking lot exit when two SUVs pulled up with flashing lights carrying four police officers in bulletproof vests. <laughs> the agent who initially spoke with Afifi identified himself then as Vincent and told Afifi, we're here to recover the device you found on your vehicle. It's federal property. It's an expensive piece, and we need it right now. Afifi asked, are you, guys, are you the guys that put it there? And the agent replied, yeah, I put it there. He told Afifi, we're going to make this much more difficult for you if you don't cooperate. And you can read the second page about it too if you want to. It's a bit hilarious. But uh, that's what it's come down to. Stuff they can do today willy-nilly. And really most folk don't bat an eyelid, you know, an eyelid would have caused riots in the 60s when people were fighting to get rights. In the land of freedoms, they had to fight to get rights. And today, you don't mind so much because they pick on the one here and they pick on the one there. They're not picking on you yet, you think. You think. And that's where they're getting away with all of this kind of stuff. Quite amazing, eh? But nothing surprises us with the new world order because it's not a it's not a democratic or even republican type of world order. It's a dictatorial authoritarian order, and they've said that themselves, the United Nations and the Club of Rome. They said it has to be this way to rush everything through. The, the whole system has to be changed. I mentioned yesterday too about how about Facebook's getting a new facelift uh, because of its bad publicity because of the of the way the uh, owner talked about all the people who'd signed on and put all their data up that he was selling, and he called them stupid foxes or something awfully similar. And um, so he had to put on a good display, pay a lot of bucks, of course, for good publicity from PR companies, and tell you how wonderful his new system will be. But after this break, I'll tell you how Facebook's now stealing your friend's phone numbers as well out your, your phone. Back with this after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the Matrix. It's Friday, so I'm letting that guitar wail a little bit there. And sometimes you really do like just howling at the moon or whatever, or just the world in general. And when you read all what's going on, we should be howling an awful more than we are doing at present. Now, Facebook and how it steals your friends' phone numbers. This is from way back in February, but it's still ongoing, uh, 2010. It says, in early January, Facebook updated their iPhone application to include a contact sync feature. In a nutshell, Facebook contact sync allows you to synchronize your friends' latest Facebook profile pictures with a matching contacts entry in your mobile phone's address book. Due to terms of service issues, however, Facebook does not sync your friends' emails, addresses, or phone numbers listed on their Facebook profile to your phone. Ironically, what Facebook will do with neither your knowledge or consent, is import all the names and phone numbers from your phone's address book and upload them to your Facebook phone book app. And then it says click here to see your Facebook phone book on facebook.com. It's thus storing your private contact numbers on Facebook service. Once your phone is synced, Facebook will attempt to match the newly uploaded phone numbers to users that have listed the same phone number on their Facebook profile, whether you're friends with them or not. You may not even be friends with them. If Facebook profiles, um, if Facebook's cannot make a match, it will create a new contact entry in your Facebook phone book using the contact details imported from your phone and add a link to invite them to join Facebook. And guess what? This is no way to delete. There's no way to delete their names and numbers from Facebook imports when it does it from your phone's address book. This is what's so worrying about Facebook uploading your mobile phone's addresses to their services. Several things it says here. Uh, Facebook doesn't want uh, warn users or give you the choice that they're uploading their phone at phone's address book to Facebook. In fact, because Facebook doesn't sync contact numbers or email addresses to your phone, most users wrongly assume that Facebook contact sync only sync used pictures. In reality, though, they're pumping your address book without your consent. And it gives many new, new, uh, various examples of how this can be misinterpreted by people who, well, well maybe a, a guy is cheating on his girl, and then she goes in there and finds that she's got all these phone numbers or whatever, and um, or she does, and then she comes after the, the the wrong guy. It could be your number they put up there, and put, and just put it on, on his friends, one of his friends down, even if you're not his friend. But that's not the real reason for it. The reason, reason is data collection, of course, because they sell all these lists off to the big companies that spam you and bother you so much and all that kind of stuff. And they also do ongoing uh, work with uh, MIT and various organizations to form your profiles into groups. This is a big, big trend right now is to find out what groups you would really belong to, what you're likely to join in the future according to your personality profile and all that kind of stuff. They're just little experiments that pay for all yourself because you think it's all free. You think it's your personal computer or your personal phone, etc. And in reality, 
if they made you buy all this stuff, uh, you'd be very suspicious. But since you buy it, you think, it's mine, I'm in charge, and, and that's how stupid we really are as human beings. And I'm surprised anybody bothers to even use this stuff anymore, after all the bad publicity it's had already. But again, a lot of youngsters now don't really care about privacy. They've been trained not to, not to even bother about having privacy. It's not really necessary or anything like that, is it? Now, they always say that the higher they climb, the, the harder they fall. And this is not really uh, an uncommon thing, really, to do with this judge I'm about to read about. But this came out in a, an American newspaper about a, a judge that was caught. It's quite an interesting little story, but not uncommon at that level of uh, lifestyle because they don't live at the lifestyle that we do at the bottom. It says, courts deal with the fallout of judges' arrest on drug and gun charges. And it's well known too, the, this guy, uh, Judge Jack T. Camp. It's uh, Fulton County Daily Report, October the 6th, 2010. It says... Um, Judges and attorneys in Georgia, Washington, and Alabama spent Tuesday coping with the fallout from the arrest last week of U.S. District Judge, Senior Judge Jack T. Camp on federal drug and gun charges. The judges, including the Chief Justice of the United States, sought to find someone to oversee the criminal case against Camp and determine how to reassign his caseload. He'll get off with this one. They, they go after any of these judges with a lot less than this. Anyway, either he's done something wrong and he was set up, and it kind of sounds like he was set up. Meanwhile, attorneys experienced in defending federal drug cases noted that the crimes with which Camp is charged would likely have been handled by local prosecutors if they were prosecuted at all. And that's the key, if they were prosecuted at all, had Camp not been a federal judge. For his part, Camp had agreed to allow the district court in Atlanta to reassign all of his pending civil and criminal cases to another judge. Camp's leader counsel, Atlanta attorney William A. Morrison, said Tuesday. Morrison said that Camp will step down from the bench in what Morrison had said was an analogous, to, an analogous to a leave of absence with pay. Even though he doesn't have a caseload at the moment, until he either resigns or is impeached, he is still a judge and is still entitled to be paid, Morrison said. It says, Morrison said that a visiting judge from Baltimore, U.S. District Judge Jai uh, Frederick Motz, of the District of Maryland had been named temporarily by Chief Justice John Roberts Jr. to preside over the pending case against Camp. The entire Northern District bench has recused and Camp made his first appearance on court Monday before visiting U.S. Magistrate Judge from the Middle District of Alabama in Montgomery. Like Camp, Motts was appointed in the federal bench by President Ronald Reagan. He's been a federal judge since 1985. And, but what happened about it? What, how did this all come about? It's quite interesting, because if you scroll down through all the, the, the gobbledygook and legalities and so on, it says, uh, Dubina also expressed his personal short camp's arrest Friday night by FBI agents after camp and an exotic dancer, a stripper, acting as the FBI's undercover informant. So you're not safe at all, are you, you guys out there that are doing that silly thing? The FBI has been recruiting strippers for years and years and years. Even the CIA were doing with the FBI, and I recently mentioned their ongoing experiments with them. They pick guys up, get them stoned with different drugs, take them home, they're videotaped for observations for some ongoing experiment that they're still doing today. Anyway, it says this an exotic stri- uh, dancer who's a stripper 
uh, was also the FBI's undercover informant. It said that he allegedly bought cocaine and prescription pain pills from an undercover officer. It's just a tragic situation. I'm just sick about it, he said. I've known Judge Camp a long time. I thought he was a wonderful person and a wonderful judge. I don't know what's happened, blah, 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 blah. This is not the Jack Camp I've known for 20 plus years, etc., etc. So it's currently free on unsecured bond. Uh, and it says here, uh, FBI agent, uh, agents arrested Camp on Friday night in the parking lot of the Velvet Room Lounge in uh, Chambly after the senior judge and an exotic dancer whom the judge had allegedly paid multiple times for sex. So they weren't unknown to each other. And probably was filmed the whole, whole time by the FBI too for the CIA uh, and because they're doing it as a sick ongoing experiments and who was working as a confidential informant with the FBI, met with an undercover law enforcement agent to buy cocaine and roxicodone, a prescription pain reliever, according to the federal complaint. So he had sex many times with her and all the rest of it. So he was definitely getting set up, obviously, because the stripper prostitute was also an FBI informant on the payroll. What a world you live in, eh? What a world you live in. Sirenet says uh, they, they recovered two firearms from the front seat of Camp's vehicle, a loaded uh, .380 or 38 uh, Sig P238 with its hammer cocked in a chambered round and loaded Colt Mark IV Series 80 pistol. Well, he's a judge. He'll, he's allowed to carry them. Camp had been charged with three felonies, legal use of controlled substances while in possession of a firearm, aiding and abetting and attempting to aid and abet the possession of cocaine, and roxicodone by a previously convicted drug felon. A drug felon who was the FBI's confidential informant. Ha <laughs> come on, eh? Talk about a sting. Talk about a sting. Huh? It's actually being with her who's on the FBI's payroll as part of the charge. That's amazing, eh? But then, you know, it's always been like this at the top. So he's either done something wrong, uh, but definitely somebody was out to get him. And you have this silly little ongoing thing about uh, Democratic-appointed judges and Republican-appointed judges. And believe you me, at that level, everybody's at everything you can possibly imagine and a lot of stuff you could never imagine. They're all doing this kind of stuff. I've even uh, seen parties in, in, in Toronto and the Rosedale area where all the big high hootspads hang out with the multi-million dollar homes. And uh, when this party's on there, the door's wide open, the music's blaring, the lights are all on, and the cops stay away. And you can go in the front rooms there, and inside the lobby there's always a, a little room off to the side for the guys who go and snort their coke, and it's all lawyers and the big wigs and the politicians, and that's how it really is at the top, folks. That's how it really is. And no cop will go near the place. They're all told to stay away. That's how the world works. They only bust you... If someone's, uh, if you haven't returned the favor, as they say at the top, whatever favor it happened to be. That's, that's the reality of, of the world. Uh, now, Obama <laughs> on education. It's so funny, there's another article about Obama uh, trying to justify why he was, why he was sending his, his children to these very posh, expensive schools. And he did say that it's because the public schools weren't good enough. That's good enough for the public, but not for, you know, high hoospers and royalty like him. And the reality is, of course, you don't have a hope in hell of getting anywhere in the public school system. 
the, the higher uh, schools guarantee that you'll meet the, the future peer group you'll be working with all through life in top jobs and through government. And that's why you go to those schools. Margaret Thatcher said that when she started, was, uh, she took heat for starting to fund the private schools with public money, taxpayers' money. And she says, well, we've got to keep these people going, you know. She says, that's where all our leaders and all the movers and shakers for Britain, the big CEOs will all come from, so they might as well meet each other at school. And they couldn't do that at these little, you know, public schools where we're all snotty-faced and stuff like that. So here he is, he's Obama about the school year. Now this is, uh, th- everything that's happening in the U.S. right now reminds me of Britain and things that happened in the 70s when, when uh, the British folk weren't told that they were being industrialized by design as part of a treaty they signed at the United Nations and with the Economic Union, the committee that was already set up before they admitted it was a parliament. They just kept telling people that every day, oh, another factory laid off and so many thousands were out of work. This went on day after day, year after year, until the Britain surpassed suicides for Sweden. They surpassed Sweden for suicides. It was amazing. Anyway, here it goes in the States. They know what's coming down. It's all designed to come down. They're talking about inflation to hit the roof shortly because the feds are going to raise inflation rates, saying it'll be good for business. And that means that uh, you're going to start to see the value of the dollar just plummet even further than it already has with less and less purchasing power at home. And it's part of the agenda. It is part of the agenda. So this is from the Mail Online. Obama says the school year should be longer and it calls for more class time as education in the U.S. loses its competitive edge. That's what they always tell you. These are the guys, these same guys who helped destroy the education system in America. And now they come around and say, it's just, oh, it's just a terrible mess. We're going to keep them in school longer. What it really does is keep them off the unemployment rolls for longer. That's the idea. That's what it was about in Britain too. This is Barack Obama's call for a longer school year in the U.S. amid fears the American education system has lost its global edge. They said that 30 years ago when they were destroying it. The president also said that the worst performing teachers in the system uh, have got to go. And he declared that simply throwing money at schools is not enough to fix the problem. Instead, he said, like they didn't know that 20 years ago as well, eh? Instead, he said in an interview broadcast across America this morning, teachers and students alike must set and achieve a higher standard. Well, what for? You're going to be no work anyway. Mr. Obama was trying to reinvigorate his administration's education program in an interview with NBC's Today Show host Matt Lauer this morning. As he supported a year-round school year, Mr. Obama said the idea of a longer school year, I think, makes sense. So that would keep them off the unemployment and all the rest of it. And they've got time now for more social indoctrination. You see, the reason they're not learning uh, the, the techniques and skills for getting good work or getting up in a massively bad economy, economy is because most of their time is groupthink on social issues, how to be good, compliant, agreeable citizens who will uh, will take any immediate update to their political correctness, whatever it happens to be, and immediately part it. That's what they've been teaching them in school for years, you know how to question their gender, stuff like that. And if you're not sure, try it. You know, you might be inhibited. That's also part of your your teaching there too. And that's what it's all been about, the the taking down of America. Uh, I think it was Charlotte uh, Isserby wrote the book, uh, The The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. And then there's another one brought out, uh, an excellent book, I can't remember who it was by, 
who put out uh, the same kind of th- the technique and how it was done. Uh, it was a very, very good uh, explanation. I think he brought two books, in fact, about it too. Well documented how the plan was hatched, how they implemented it, the characters involved, and it's all come to pass. So here they always go back to the, co- to, to the effect of it all and say, oh my God, what a mess. Look at, look at it, y'all, after they caused it, these globalists and internationalists. Quite something, eh? Too, quite, quite, it's quite something. And you wonder what's happening in America. Well, regardless of school, the, the complete culture has been totally degraded. I can remember when Khrushchev said America would fall without firing a shot. It will be corrupt and degraded from within. And you should really give all your, your Oscars and all that to Hollywoods and your television stations and all those characters. They helped to make it so because that's how they did it. He's an, an, an article here, for instance, two investigators. School system ignored safety concerns. This is from Chicago, CBS. If your child feels unsafe at school and you want them transferred to a new school, what do you think would happen? Families say officials with Chicago public schools drag their heels and even prevent transfers, further endangering the children. Two investigator uh, Dave Savani found um, the district had been lacking a policy to deal with his safety concern. Uh, in 2008-2009 school year, Edwina Meyer has been trying to get a transfer to a Scammon Elementary School. Scammon is the name of it. 4201 W Henderson Street. She says she feels unsafe. It's terrible, she said. It's like so much happened in the classroom. She has witnessed multiple X-rated acts within the class. The teacher was allowing them to have sex in the class. That's what was happening. For what, one, two years? Back with more after this. Folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix, just touching on the real reasons Obama won't send his daughter to the public schools, uh, apart from the, the fact they've got to get up there in life, you know, and get doors open for them, which you don't get from public schools, unless it's maybe doors to brothels, according to the story here. But anyway, I'll continue with it. It says, uh, Flores and Susan Meyer, Edwina's mother, both say that during the past two years they wanted their daughters transferred to different schools for safety reasons, but they say the school officials fought them even though they acknowledged the sex acts occurred, uh, and then they fired a teacher. I guess that makes it all, they fired a teacher and getting someone else that maybe lets them have just maybe oral sex, you know. I think Bill Clinton set the precedent on that um, by saying in front of the world on television camera, I did not have sex with that woman. And then he says, define sex. You see there, he's a lawyer, you see, lawyer, that's lawyer, yeah. And um, it says, uh, anyway, most of these women now are trying to remove their daughters from the schools. The schools are trying to keep the lid on it and cam it all down. But uh, believe you me, it wouldn't be happening just in one classroom. Uh, and it wouldn't be unknown to all the rest of the teachers as well. And who knows what was happening elsewhere. So hopefully, it says, uh, this, this child here and another daughter will get moved to a new school where uh, it might not be quite so bad yet. 
I'll say yet, because believe you me, I'd hate to be a st- well. If I was a student in today's school, they'd have me on riddling and a whole bunch of other stuff for asking questions. They don't like that at all, especially young boys, uh, especially young guys who go and read the library an awful lot and ask questions in school. You're a nuisance. You're a thinker. You can't have a thinker in school these days. The guys are supposed to be like the girls, quiet and intensive and listening, and you don't interrupt and you don't pester the teacher with questions. And that's why they get drugged, you see. They might be future leaders, that type. And you've got to get them out the way. This is all part of a war strategy. That's what it is, a part of a wartime strategy. And the war has really always been on you. For the last hundred years, it's been on you, the people. Escalating and escalating and escalating. Imagine having everyone assigned to a counsellor. And you had all kinds of strange people coming through teaching you all kinds of sex. It's near version. It's like religion. To try our stuff is better. You know, or try that. That's better. Uh, try your own genders. That's better. And then the, the child, uh, who's maybe about 12 years old or 11, sees the counselors. Well, I've never tried anything like that. Says, well, maybe you should. You, you could be inhibited, you know. That's a psychological problem. We can help you with that. I mean, you can imagine going through a system like that. To indoctrinate you Pavlovian style into the kind of creature, the creatures that Pavlov wanted, the ideal Soviet. And it's happening. All backed up by the entertainment industry with every movie they watch, all embedded with all this stuff. And every little drama on TV, it's in the ads, it's in everything. Because it's all one big world, one organization running the world. And believe you me, you have no say whatsoever in creating any policy to keep away from it, get out of it, or anything else. Just to close, China uh, has made their main dissident, uh, Liu, won a Nobel Peace Prize, which really doesn't mean much today, because I think Obama got it last year, and I think they've slaughtered more people over in different countries since he's been in than all the murderers before. Maybe that's why they get it. But anyway, this poor sucker in China thinks uh, that he's fighting for democracy. He's still thinking back in the 60s, you know. He hasn't, he doesn't realize that uh, everything's changed. Everybody, he'll get used. He'll get used. Of course, they all do. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.